and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. It is the episode before Christmas. Twas the episode before Christmas, and all through the podcast, uh, nothing rhymes with podcast. I'm in trouble here. Not a creature was stirring, not even a wadcast. Ew. I don't know what that is. I uh, just, yeah. I'm grasping. We're. I know you probably want to cut and start over, but we're not going to. Welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. I'm Lily Lady Six. I am joined, as always, by Nerd Bomber and Tactic, who you already heard try to make up rhymes. We're not going to do that the whole time, but it is the episode before Christmas. So if you're a Christmas celebrator, happy holidays to you. This episode will be released released on Christmas Eve Eve, uh, also known as Festivus, if you're a Seinfeld fan. So yeah, happy holidays. And if you're not a Christmas celebrator, happy holidays. Whatever holiday you may be celebrating, happy holidays. It might have been Hanukkah, which I believe happened already. Could be Kwanzaa, could be any number of other things. So uh, shout out to all of you. We are not going to be sticking Christmassy today. We're going to be doing our usual slated news. There's been a lot of big pieces of news released in the past week in advance of the Christmas season. We, of course, need to talk about cyberpunk because we actually could have last week, but we had too much going on. So that got moved into this week and there's been some new developments on that in the past few days that we'll get to and uh we also have to talk about this nintendo direct that showed us gave us a first look at super nintendo world and in fact i think we should lead with that because how about that there's a lot to unpack this was a 15 minute video and it was basically a guided tour a first look at universal studios japan's new area super nintendo world which we had we talked about on the podcast before We've known about it for quite a while now, and actually, they we just recently mentioned they moved up the official opening date, I think, to February. Mm-hmm. So they're showing us what the park looks like, and um, taking us on this tour is a man whose name I am not going to try to pronounce because I will get it wrong, but Mr. Mario's dad. Yeah, Mr. Mario's dad. He's taking us on a guided tour through this park, and I, I'm trying to think about where we, sh- where we should start here. I mean, wow. The video starts out in a warp tube which of course is entirely green and you know it has these flashing lights in it and from there you're in Peach's castle and you go outside and you're surrounded by what looks like a level of Super Mario. I mean the the detail of course is pretty much spot on everywhere. I don't know what stuck out most to you guys. We can of course we'll, we'll ping pong back and forth here, but the thing that stuck out the most to me were the coins. It was like it was one of those things that I wasn't thinking about ho- how important those would be t- to making you feel like you're in a, a Super All of Mario them rotating. level. And they, yeah, exactly. All of them rotating and looking very convincingly too, like they were floating. It was, yeah, it was it hard went, to see the little shaft. When they initially give you, they step outside and they give you a wide shot of everything. I mean, it legitimately, not not just the coins either, the Goombas, you know, a lot of it looked like you were playing a video game. It was, it was for me, it was pretty, pretty stark. So that's, um, that, and I'm glad you said that. That, for me, was the biggest takeaway, was that it looked like you were playing a video game. Specifically, the textures were spot on to the N64. And there were times when I was like, is he standing in front of a green screen or something? Because this doesn't look real. So the the art folks who really did that texturing and detail, spot on freaking job, guys. You did fantastic. I mean, even the animatronics, if you looked at all of the different, basically, character figures... And even just beyond like the coins and stuff that were rotating, things as subtle as, and I'm showing my lack of Nintendo knowledge here a little bit, but the the little red guys with the hood and the like mask face thing, what are those called? Those Are, are those Goombas? No. Goombas are the brown guys. Yeah. Shy guys? Yeah, they're shy, shy guys. guys. 
like if you looked at the little hood tip of the shy guy, like it was very subtly flexing like it does in the game. And like the little subtle details like that and the animatronics were incredible. Like everything that they showed and everywhere I looked, it looked like there was so much attention to detail put into it. And I mean, obviously you would hope so, but the way that the final product looked was just incredible. Yeah. I mean, of course, the other thing we have to talk about, you know, outside of just the visuals. So I guess, first of all, have you guys, have either of you been to Harry Potter World? No, I want to. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to put you in what sounds like serious pain there for a second. So I have been lucky enough to go and they have these things. So you can go to Ollivander's and you can buy a wand and you can either buy a regular, just plain old, I mean, it's supposed to be wood, but it's really plastic. You can buy a plastic wand or you can buy one that has an infrared tip. And the infrared tip is useful. I mean, those wands are more expensive, but they're useful because then you can walk around the park and there are certain things that you can, there's, I guess, infrared cameras that you can interact with and like wave your wand in a certain pattern to cast a spell and something will happen. And it might on paper not sound that cool, but believe me, it is astronomically cool. Like the things you, you, you'll switch your wand a certain way and some animatronic thing will happen and a lot in a lot of cases you don't even know that the thing that moves is animatronic it looks like a piece of scenery that's totally static yeah i would guess that super mario world that's where they have taken the concept they're using you know that's where they've taken it from so basically their concept is a combo of that and disney magic bands right where you're wearing this band that has this big mario face or toad or a star there's various patterns you can have and then you interact with certain pieces of the scenery uh i think in most cases they showed it was a block where you just basically punch the block and you get a coin or you get you get a key if you complete certain puzzles. And what's great um, about that is it is it takes walking from ride A to ride B to being more than just that. It gives you an experience even when just traversing the park. And I love that more and more parks are doing that and more and more parks are adopting that kind of philosophy, especially since right. everyone has smartphones too. Which and where and you know where that started was disney right where disney's focus has always been okay yes the rides are critically important to the experience of course but the line not not even just going from line to line that's one thing but the line itself is a ride so, so like the key i think to making a good theme park or a memorable theme park i mean disney's my favorite theme park by a long shot because it's not about the ride like it, it it's about the rides yes but like there's so much more to it than that and to see you know universal you know, doing that in, in Harry Potter world to a certain extent, doing it now in Super Mario world to a certain extent. It's really, really great, great to see. I do have concerns about tr- what, I'll, what I'll say, I'll call it traffic management. Oh my goodness, Meaning, I'm so glad you said this. That was yeah, the biggest but, thing. Right, like there's going to be lines of, of children and adults, I mean, I'll be there, in front of this cube. I was on so reserve how do you manage that? with saying that because I feel like they are keeping a lot of it very close to the chest. And they so they, you know, narrow-lensed the view of everything. That They kept it looking small just to, to remove any spoilers for other things. And I'm hoping that, in reality, it doesn't feel like a Nintendo museum and feels more like a amusement park. Because that's, that's the vibe that I got from this. That this is just a Nintendo walk-through a museum experience and, and oh, by the way, here's a roller coaster. Well, one of the things that I was wondering, because like, as as you both mentioned, the areas where they were showing these interactive blocks and stuff, they looked small. Like I, one of my first comments as we were 
watching the video, I looked over at Tactic and I was like, how are people going to fit there? But I am wondering if maybe what they showed us is more part of like the line section getting to an attraction than an attraction itself. Like, I wonder if that's like part of a queue for a ride and they've made all of these interactive things in the line for the queues. Right. Because in, in, in a, the queue for a ride, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because, you know, everyone's going to go buy it and have a chance at it. And you also know that because presumably because of what the ride is, it's it's not going to be it, it's not going to be traffic for the sake of that one thing. Right. It's going to be traffic for the sake of the ride. And, oh, well, you're here. Punch this block. You'll get a coin or you'll get, you know, like I, I, I do think that's cool. And it's, it is worth noting tactic. I think you mentioned it or it might have been Nerd Bomber. They if you're worried about watching this video because you're going to like go there and you don't want to be spoiled. Like there are certain things that like I think early on they had a a big piranha plant like puzzle where you can get a key. These keys are useful for various reasons. And they did, they said, he even said, he said, I'm not going to show you how to do this one. So there's certain things that they want to show you how things work, but they don't want to, they're not giving away everything. So if you're concerned about that, I guess my message is don't be, but the other thing that I haven't mentioned yet, you know, there's all these little, little puzzles and doodads. You can interact with, with them using this band. And then there's also a, a mobile app. So you, if you get a if you get a coin by punching a block, that's tracked by the app. I wonder what you do with which these is coins. Also cool. I was going to ask you guys that. I mean, they don't they didn't say anywhere, and I missed it. Did they? The only thing that they mentioned about the bands in general was that you would be able to take it home and use it like an, amiibo, it like an amiibo sort of thing. Yeah. So I wonder if somehow those coins will be translated into maybe uh, eShop points or something like that, or some kind of in game experience. How cool would that be? And right, if they like, aren't planning on doing that, you can totally steal this idea because I would love for my Nintendo Land experience to turn into eShop points in the future because that would be dope. Right. Because presumably they want people to be doing this stuff. They want people to have a reason to care about because that, that is the one thing with Harry Potter World is like, if you're an adult, like I didn't care. Like I, I, was, I was 20, over 20 years old when I went there and like I didn't need to buy a $50 infrared wand to like wave. I mean, my little sister did. So I got to experience it by like stealing her wand and doing it. But like, I would never have done it myself because there wasn't really an incentive to do it. And, you know, I guess eShop points isn't a huge incentive, but it's at least a way for people to like make their money back. Like, like I, you know, I don't know how these bands work exactly, whether there's a cost associated with them, but that would be a cool thing. I think that's a good idea. Maybe that's what their plan is. Maybe it isn't. You mentioned in-game experiences too. That would probably take a lot more work, but it's certainly possible. I mean, my, I guess, bigger takeaway from all of this is, yes, I want to go. But like, and I can't because it's in Japan. Well, that's what we'll hang Pandemic on. Pandemic notwithstanding. That was my biggest ahead. takeaway is that there's going to be ones in all different locations coming soon. Yeah, because they did announce that there's going to be one in Hollywood and one in Orlando. I think those were the only two locations that he said. Right. But that they will be opening, but they didn't say when. And so, I mean... I would assume that this will be a huge success. They already know this is going to be a huge success. I mean, Nintendo is one of the biggest brands and franchises at the moment and in the last few decades. So I feel like Universal has to be secretly working on this in the theme parks that they already have set up in the United States and that this will probably be a world that will open in the near future, hopefully, so we can go see it. And guys, you forgot to mention, they also gave us a taste of some of the thematic food options that are going to be available. I I knew you were going to dial in on the food. I'll I'll let you talk about this part. So there was a Super Mario mushroom burger, which I love mushrooms on my burger. So sign me up. 
There was the box, the coin box, with had looked like it had some whipped cream in it, and looked like it almost looked like you took four French toasty cracker things and slammed them together in a cube, and it was just it was all the right different stuff. It looked like there was a, a star shaped rice ball that I was for. See, my problem with this, so they I'm hoping they have other places to eat, but the specific restaurant that they showed was Toad's Cafe, and they said that. Aside from like the dessert, I think there was mushrooms in everything. And as someone yeah. who does not like mushrooms, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to be eating the popcorn all day because I can't eat anything here. I mean, I you guess know, I could uh, if I was really hungry. But, I love like, mushrooms. No, you get all the mushroom things. Then I get double mushrooms. That's how it works. Yeah, but like a mushroom mm. burger, then I'm just eating the bun. Ooh. Mm. I mean, I understand like... The dedication to the theme was yeah. impressive, but... Of course they would put mushrooms on everything, but yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Nerd Bummer, because you're not alone. I don't like mushrooms either, so like, doesn't do a whole lot for me. So, okay, so Tactic, you mentioned the food. I want to actually go back to like something they talked about at the very beginning, which I think, again, is critically important and for me would be a big deal. People who listen to this show know that I'm kind of a music nerd. When they walked into Peach's Castle and the N64 Peach's Castle lobby theme was playing, I was like, that was the moment. And that was like 30 seconds into the video. That's, that's when I was like, I will go here. As an adult person, I will go here. I will spend a lot of money and I will enjoy it. I give it two weeks before they have to put signs up that say, do not run into the pictures. You will oh, not go through that. them. <laughs> there should be a sign up on opening. I mean, yeah, that's the other thing. In that, in that segment, they showed... I can't remember the name of the world, but the first world you go to in 64, it's like Bob or something. No, the, but the painting, the painting. It's like bob Blast or something, some very generic term, but it's the first level you do. And there's a painting of it that, you know, in the game you would jump into it. I don't know how they would ever, you know, make a jump into a bull painting, but that's, that's something for Universal R&D to work on. I will say that. They have, right now they have a holographic situation where if you walk by it, it changes. And they just do lights and like fog and then surround or, it with or, a picture frame. Or like, yeah, some kind of like fabric or something. I get to work. Universal. Well, they did have those AR goggles for the one cart ride. So maybe you'll actually drive right. into a picture frame in that in that ride. It's very possible. I will say my only hesitation, and this kind of deviates a little bit, but you mentioned the AR glasses. And anytime there's some kind of thing I got to put on my face, and this is maybe even more so heightened you're by germ, 2020. You're, you're a germ, germ gal. But even in the past, and this is probably a personal story that um, a family member of mine would not watch sharing, but in, in Disney World, we were in the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids 3D thing, and a family member got really nauseous and threw up in a bag and oh. thinking that the glasses receptacle as we were walking out was a no. trash can put no. that bag in the trash can and only afterward realized and then they fished it out obviously but like for a split second there's puke in that so like yeah i know they clean those but still like i wonder how long those type of glasses will last how pe- they'll stop people from pilfering it all that probably kind of just, stuff it's interesting plus the, the cleaning is probably just some intern you know just like waving a rag over him it's like that's exactly the kind of thing i don't want to be thinking about so thank you for bringing that up you're welcome uh, <laughs> yeah I mean, this is, I don't know what else to say. I, we should be probably making some critical judgment uh, on this video and this reveal, but... I'm afraid I'm, to, I'm, because it, to just, it looked like they kept the lens very, very narrow and kept a lot of the park close to the chest. And I don't want to make any rash judgments just yet. 
I think so far everything looks great as long as there's more than 10 square feet of space. Right. So you don't want to make any rushes to judgment. So for now we won't. But especially if you're a Nintendo fan, go check out this video. Get hyped for the Orlando and Hollywood parks which are tbd i do wish they teased more about other lands because it doesn't feel like a nintendo park it feels like a super mario park right is, I, that's you know i was gonna ask that too is there a donkey kong land is there a he alluded to it but like again they're again it, it's just they're keeping it very close to the chest and i and i really really want to believe there's more well because well, like if well, you if you buy tickets to a theme park like, wait, before you go to Disney, I'm the type of person where I research every single ride and attraction, yeah. and I have, like, a, a plan. I want, I know what I want to see, and I know what things I can skip. But if they don't reveal more, I'm assuming tickets are probably as expensive as regular Universal and Disney World tickets are. And I want to know a little bit more of what's in there. Yeah, I'm, so, well, let's speculate for a second. I mean, Mar- Super Mario World obviously already exists. Donkey Kong World was alluded to i have to assume already exists but assuming you're going for a disney model of so they have magic kingdom epcot animal kingdom hollywood studios so that's four imagine it's the same thing in mario world you punch boxes in donkey kong world you punch barrels in pokemon world you punch pokeballs and it's just control c control v okay so there's pokemon world donkey kong world mario world what is the fourth world presuming we follow the four world you gotta punch vases remember Uh, i said zelda yeah sure punch vases yeah you're right you're right I don't know why I couldn't come up with any of those. I was I was like, I've seen like Star Fox. I was like, is there a, honestly a Star Fox world would be dope as hell, but I know that's not gonna happen, so it's fine. Also a Metroid world would be dope as hell. Just like a sci-fi, just like put all the space ones into one world. Just call it space world. You heard me. You heard me, Universal. Make it happen. For me. Come on. The whole so theme yeah. park is punching things. That's it. No rides, just punching stuff. If you have anger issues, this may be the place for you. So yeah, we want to hear from you about this. We've already talked to you a bit about this on Twitter, but we want to hear more on your thoughts on the food, the music, the ambiance, just everything that, everything that was revealed. I have one request uh, if they do have a Zelda world. When you enter it, they should have an old guy saying, the journey is rough, take this, or whatever the quote is. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, when it's you get dangerous sword, to go alone. It's dangerous to go alone, yes. Donkey Kong World, every restaurant is going to be like, here's a banana split. That's going to be great. I'm gonna, I'm going there. And you can probably have plantains, really uh, get some hot food in there too. Right. Yeah, so uh, on the Twitter sphere, hit us up. At OW with the 86 at OW Nerdbomber, at OW Tactic, at Online Warriors 1. Let us know what you think of Super Nintendo World, I believe is what it's called, or it might be called Nintendo World. Whatever the title of the park may be, let us know what your initial thoughts on it are, whether you will go to the one that winds up in your neck of the woods whenever that should happen. All right, so next up on the docket, this is a big one, The Mandalorian. Now, you know, obligatory, if you have not yet watched the season finale, season two finale of The Mandalorian, you're going to want to go get a sandwich and a coffee or something. Come back in, I don't know, 15 minutes? I don't know how long we're going to be talking about this, I guess. This is a big deal for a number of reasons. We have to talk about the final episode itself. We need to talk about the direction of the show because it appears to be changing drastically. And um, we need to talk about digitally manipulated Mark Hamill because not only was that a big reveal, I mean, it's interesting because once the X-Wing showed up, anyone who has even casually watched Star Wars should have known that it was Luke Skywalker. And if you didn't, Um, once you saw the green saber. Yeah. There were multiple things that before his face was shown that should have told you it was Luke Skywalker. But you had the digital manipulation. And I think more importantly, you have the fact that Mark Hamill's involvement, 
this was kept a secret. And, and like, I mean, Disney takes this thing seriously. Star Wars, they take Star Wars secrets seriously, very specifically. I mean, there's the sequel trilogy didn't have any leaks, as far as I know. But this, that alone, to me, is an accomplishment that they were able to get away with him being involved without anyone knowing, essentially. And he, I think, actually tweeted saying "best kept secret in Hollywood" or something. This was this was such a cool scene. I mean, the thing about Luke Skywalker that's so interesting is that we saw him in the old trilogy. You know, Return of the Jedi is when he's supposedly at the height of his power, but it was still a movie that was made in the 80s. So you're not getting a whole lot in the way of brilliant saber choreography or special effects. Then we meet up with him again in, you know, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, where he's over the hill and, you know, has he's a Jedi, of course, he's a powerful one, but he's lost a step. So you're not again, you're not seeing much saber work from him. What this is giving us, and I'm guessing what it was designed to give us is okay, this is like, this is the Luke Skywalker that, that could get it, you know, back in the day. And he's getting it. You know, he's taken down these, these dark troopers. Were you disappointed how like easily he disposed of the dark troopers considering how bit. hype they were? A little bit, because the dark troopers, I mean, you know, Mando faced one dark trooper, right? And it almost destroyed him. And you're thinking, wow, these are the real deal. Well, and then the, when, the when, other side when, of it too is the lore says that Mandalorians and Jedis always butted heads. So if, if he just runs through dark, dark troopers and, and Mandalorians can't, well, there's obviously a, a clear winner in that battle. Well, we can get to that. But but I, I mean, when Luke Skywalker's like cutting through them all, they weren't really doing much. They were just kind of standing there like, oh crap. And then he cut through them. And, you know, Jedi are really good. That's kind of a Star Wars thing. But I, I yeah, I, I'll, I'll meet you on that. I, I kind of agree that they were a disappointing adversary. But kind of the coolness of it, too, right, is he's slicing through these guys like they're butter because he's a Jedi and Jedi are powerful. Like, guess what? That's, again, it's just a Star Wars thing. But and and, and I'm, I'm sorry, Nerd Bomber, I'm going to steal your thunder because you even mentioned this. At this point, they were in possession of the Darksaber. There was a lot of cool things that, that could have happened with that and taking a final stance to protect Grogu. And I would have loved to see Mando and Skywalker basically lightsaber and darksaber together like back to back you know how in like old westerns and stuff you always have like yeah. or even like military movies like back to back encircled by the bad guys I would have loved to see that. Lord of the Rings does did work with that a, f- a few times too. Mm-hmm. Um, this is transitioning into the next thing, which is you know that whole dark saber thing. Mando defeats Moff Gideon in combat, takes the dark saber, and then that whole thing happens. Of oh well, now Bo-Katan is oh Bo-Katan wants the dark saber, and now she has to you know I guess murder you in combat to take it or whatever. I guess disarm you, kind of like I would have been one. like well technically he yielded to me so technically he still owns it you can go ahead and punch him well it's it's kind of this confusing logic right and it's not you're not bound by anything i didn't love that is the point i'm trying to make i didn't love that because a it kind of threw a monkey wrench into the work for for no reason and kind of a head fake because it seemed like well again we'll get to that later but it seems like they might be going away from these characters entirely so i don't know why they did I disagree that. with you there and i'll i think that actually opens up the door for mando's next adventure so to speak like obviously and this again, is what i'm not clear about spoilers for those of, like i don't know why you're still listening if you haven't seen this episode because this has been steep yeah, in spoilers you, you but screwed up. the first two seasons were really focused on the relationship with grogu and building that kind of relationship well now grogu's gone and i really don't think that they're going to bring him back right away because i think they're going to keep people guessing to see how long until grogu shows back up or maybe he'll have his own spinoff or something or show up in obi-wan 
And I honestly think that Mando getting possession of the Darksaber now sets him on another kind of like arc for his story where obviously I don't think Bo-Katan is going to kill him to get the Darksaber. I just don't think she's going to do that. But I think that he will then become the person that goes back to Mandalore and basically tries to take the planet back for his people. And I think this is kind of the lead in then he loses Grogu, but he gains the Darksaber and a new purpose. And this will be the thing that keeps him marching on when we eventually do revisit these characters. I am going to hit you with a hard truth that you're not going to like. We will never see Grogu again, at least in the Mandalorian. Stop. I would be shocked. Literally half of the reason. And so like we like all like the Mandalorian because it's just straight up good Star Wars content. But you can't lie. There are a large fraction of people who just watch the show for Baby Yoda. I don't disagree. So, it, it, it's something they're going to have to work out. But what I'm saying is he was just written off the show in a way that I would call definitive, almost ironclad. And I, I'm, I'll admit, I'm confused. And that's kind of why we got into this section of things is they teased the Book of Boba Fett at the end of this. And for those that haven't noticed, the Mandalorian, the episodes are referred to as chapters. Is this not the end of a book and the start of a new book? That was what, to I, me, that was what was implied. And I, I don't know if it's disagree. clear. I disagree. I think I absolutely agree with Nerd Bomber. I think there's, I mean, with Bo-Katan, it built up the plausibility of it's time to take back Mandalore. And it opens up really the book for them to fight the Dathomirian race. I think I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um, Sounds right. It, it opens them up to, to introduce that race because everyone loved Darth Maul. He was re- renowned as a absolute badass. So absolutely, they're going to introduce that race of people and they're going to fight them. And obviously, Mando is going to be leading the fight because he said he who has the dark saber holds the throne. So how badass would that to be to have Mando leading all of the Mandalorian into battle against a race of Darth Mauls? I mean... That sounds like a season to me. And I will say, I don't think this is the last we've seen the character. So I know Disney has already confirmed that the Book of Boba Fett is going to be its own spinoff series. Yeah, I just looked it up. See, I didn't know that because the title card was confusing. Additionally, I believe um, Pedro Pascal has already signed on for season three of The Mandalorian. So I don't think they're going to get rid of him yet. I think, though, that we're going to see the Book of Boba Fett well before we finally get season three of The Mandalorian. Well, yeah, that's December 2021. That's already, again, the title card said that. Uh, Okay, I mean, I'm not, like, I'm on board. I am concerned. What you're you're talking about sounds cool. I agree, though, with what's something that you've said before, which is a large portion of these people who are watching this show are watching it for Baby Yoda. You take Baby Yoda out. It's it's been a, a problem for this show's structure for a while now, right? Where the entire show centers around this ultra cute character, you know, Everything that, Mando, uh, that Mando does is based around this character. I couldn't when disagree you write with that, you more. When you write that character out, yes, you give him the Darksaber, you give him some kind of new purpose, but the emotional center of the show is gone. And I don't know how you can argue that with me. I think gone. people have, at this point, grown to love Mando. I think that's where the, the character development truly is. And, and people feel free to be mad at me. Grogu was really just a catalyst to bring humanity to that character and wasn't the end-all be-all of the show. I, I agree that he was the catalyst to bring humanity to the character, but I'm not sure that when you remove that character, that bond is critical to humanizing Mandalorian. 
And I'm not sure you can just say, okay, he's humanized. Now this character's gone. He's going to remain that soft-hearted person that he showed think himself about, to be think in about who he, he's become. He's not just become someone that cares for a young being. He, he's became someone who's, who's seen that, you know, there isn't only one way to live as a Mandalorian, you know. He's gotten comfortable with removing his mask. He've, he's seen the way that other Mandalorians in different subsects are and he's he's now open to that he's he's truly grown as a person in multitude of facets i I can't argue with that but i i know you can't i maintain i maintain my my point which is the show is going to have a problem without without baby yoda be it be it because people will stop watching it without baby yoda or because they'll introduce something like bb8 and be fine the thing that i'm kind of hanging my hat on is if you go back to season one Baby Yoda was a big reveal, and I don't remember if it was super early in the season. I want to say one. he was revealed in episode one. At the end of episode one, he was revealed. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because I was gonna say like everybody loved it because it was just like a, a almost like a serialized western where every episode was its own kind of self-contained adventure and. That's what people were plotting about the show back then. And then it became the Mando and Baby Yoda show. And it's now something completely different, in my opinion. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, like If they go back to what it originally was viewed as, I don't know if people will be super receptive. That's my... Yeah, like, I will be, to be clear. I will be. I mean, the first episode of this show, for those that don't remember, it, it was like a Western, is what it... I, it's... It was supposed to be a space western. You know, this is this gunslinger guy who has no allegiance. And yeah, then he went on and met someone who, you know, made him more soft-hearted. And that's that works great for a movie, by the way. It's a great premise for a movie. But the trouble was, in as much as I do think that Baby Yoda and, and Mando's relationship was super important, and it was, you know, guiding seasons one and two, that sort of narrative is a dead end right it can never last forever you can't just have mando bombing around with baby yoda figuring out what to do with him for eight seasons or however long you want this show to run so yes it's a natural evolution but i have a healthy amount of skepticism i'm i'm open but i have a healthy amount of skepticism as to how successful the show is without that character and without that relationship they did Um, potentially leave one door open with regards to Mando and Grogu, and that is the strong bond allowing Grogu to use the Force. Well, sure, and and you know Luke even says at the end, you clearly have a strong bond, and he, you know, which by the way, the helmet takeoff, it broke me. Um, it was like this kind of, it was this very emotional thing that I don't know. Like Pedro Pascal is a pretty good actor, but it's just like seeing that character's face dealt a lot of weight to that moment, right? I mean, it was sad to begin with watching them you know, finally part, but to see them looking at each other and, and the baby Yoda, you know, touching the Mando's actual face, it was, it was, it was powerful. Uh, I don't know how else to, how else to put it, but that's what we're going to be, that's what's being taken away from us. That's, that's kind of the point I guess I'm trying to make. That's what's being taken away from us. Yes, it's going to leave a mark on the character, but not having even a chance at those moments is maybe going to hamstring the show. I hope it doesn't, but, you know, Book of Boba Fett, I think is going to make a concerted effort to be darker and, you know, it's not going to provide that character any chance for emotional redemption. It's going to be, okay, you know, Fennec and Boba Fett are badasses who are going to kill a lot of people. Like, that, they set the tone with this, just with this little 30-second reveal, right? He comes in, kills Bib Fortuna, and, you know, sits on Jabba the Hutt's chair and basically just says, don't screw with me. 
And that's going to be cool too. You know, no complaints there. They're setting the stage in a really good way for that too. So Mando finale, if you watched it, if you've listened this far, hopefully you watched it. I don't know. I can't really tell you to tweet us about this one because I don't want to spoil anybody. Wait a week. Wait two weeks. Tell us what you thought. We will all miss our little friend Grogu. Yeah, pour one out for Grogu. I mean, he's not dead, thankfully, but we're probably not going to see him again for a while, if at all. I I maintain that. So Right now, we're going to take a break. Before we do, we have to shout out, of course, our Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Checkness. Ben, thanks again for all you do for the show. Thank you for supporting us at the night level, which is the highest of our three Patreon support levels. As a result of that support, uh, Ben gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog, of course. He also gets the occasional guest spot, which he did with us uh, a couple weeks ago now. And he gets input into our weekly game segment, which I believe is hosted by Nerd Bomber this week. I don't know what the topic is. is. Um, your so favorite thing gonna... ever eggnog oh god really well i'm gonna lose this one but we'll get to that later yeah so ben sports at the night level he is knighted if you aren't as cool as ben understandable you can become a squire and get access to the monthly secret segment or vlog or monthly secret segment and vlog or become a page and get access to the monthly secret segment so the details on that are over at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast head over there check us out we would super appreciate any support and um Thanks again to Ben, and we will now take a short break to shout out one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back to talk about Cyberpunk 2077. Today's episode is brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics is the world's largest collection of official fan gear from all the leagues, teams, and players you love. If you enjoy our show and are looking to buy a new jersey, sweatshirt, or hat, you can support us by going to podgo.co slash fanatics and getting 25% off your next order. That's podgo.co dot co slash fanatics fanatics officially licensed everything all right we're back uh to talk about cyberpunk 2077 now there's of course a lot to unpack here our jumping off point is going to be the latest news i think the latest news uh which is that sony pulled it from their storefront which pretty unprecedented stuff i'm actually not sure this is i can't think of the last time this has happened let alone for a triple a title like cyberpunk you know, this super long awaited, you know, for years and years, people have been hyped about this, waiting for it. And the bugginess is, I guess, just too much to to overcome. Now, I've seen footage and, I'll, I've you know, on like r slash game physics and in other places, I will say the footage has ranged from I think it looks good to I think it looks like it's not even done. So I don't, you know, and I've heard there's a lot of variance between PS5 versions and PS4 versions. I've heard the PC version is completely fine. Like, I don't know what to think. It doesn't seem like the game is standing on solid ground. That much I can say pretty definitively, but this is a huge move. So I'm going to swing it over to Tectic first, because I think you mentioned last week, you have this game waiting in the wings. And, you know, for what it's worth, a lot of retailers and, you know, CD Projekt Red are offering refunds. Now, I don't think you would go get a refund on a gift, but like, if you had bought this yourself, would you be in in refund territory or does how much does this scare you i guess is is my basic question doesn't scare me at all so if you guys recall i played watchdogs and it was very you know freezing issues glitchy issues and i fully embraced it i i wrote it out until all the updates got involved and i still enjoyed the game i did not let it take away from what the game was and the enjoyment that it bestowed upon me now this game doesn't seem to have many freezing issues it has more like glitchy funky issues that quote make the game unplayable but i disagree with my favorite absolute one by far is the car glitch where your pants go off and 
is fantastic. That's, a, that's just fun. That's just good yeah, clean fun I mean, right there. There are glitches. There was the Spider-Man glitch where you turn into a, a brick, spider brick. I'm for those kind of glitches. And I don't understand people's frustration with that because ultimately, yeah, it's, it's weird, but it you're never going to forget that experience. And it kind of makes it fun. I, I always look forward to when they get these glitches patched some dlc where hey you can you can have this skin and and you're pantsless now enjoy yourself and nerd bomber if you want to offer i have a feeling you're gonna offer a dissenting opinion to this if you're not i'm going to because i am definitely going to offer a dissenting opinion here (laughs) okay so i'll let you do it yeah i think the the problem with this entire thing and i i hate that we have come to a point in gaming where it's okay for companies to sell you a game with the caveat that the product you just bought is crap until they update it. I remember back in the days before we had live services and connected play where you just popped a disc in your console and it worked. That was it. And if it didn't work, you didn't give the developer a chance to push an update. You just thought, hey, this was a broken game and you gave it a bad review. And I understand that in today's day and age, there's so much work that goes into making these games. And they're churned out at much, much faster rates. Right. I get that. I'm not blaming the developers. Yeah. I don't think that's what Nerdbomber is doing either. The key is immersion for me. Right. Like, yeah, go, go on. My, my personal opinion on this is that the biggest no-no, and I think the reason why Sony is delisting it and all of the stores are offering refunds and even CD Projekt Red is offering refunds themselves, is that the game and everything that I've seen runs great on PC. But on the last-gen consoles, which now they're called last-gen consoles, on your PlayStation 4s and Xbox Ones, the game looks and plays like a turd. And the biggest problem with that is that they never once showed any game play clips of the game running on those consoles. They They never warned you and they never gave consumers a chance to see what they're buying into. Like for me, having kind of crappy graphics, I know if I'm playing it on the PS4 or Xbox One, I know I'm not going to get next-gen graphics. It can't compare to a PC running the highest-end graphics card. That's just not what you're expecting. But the fact that they showed all of these trailers and the game itself, especially when they talked about the console release, was this game was intended to be released on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One generation. They've only recently pivoted to saying, hey, we're going to offer the next-gen upgrade, but it was intended for that generation of consoles and to never once show footage of the game running on those consoles and then to have the game plagued by bugs. I understand why people are getting refunds, why Sony is delisting it, because just from a consumer perspective, let me make that informed decision. Let me see the graphics and decide for myself that I don't care. Because really, if they had shown it, Like, yeah, some of the graphics look laughably bad and look really, really old and outdated. But I bet you anything people would have bought it anyway. And if they knew it going in, I don't think this problem would be be as big. Right. And and let's let's step away from the graphics for a second, too. I mean, I mentioned immersion being a critical element. And like, yes, bugs pull you out of that, which is why I was kind of pushing back on tactic, you know, and don't get me wrong. Bugs are fun. Bugs are really fun. Uh, you know, I, I laugh. I go on R slash game physics and laugh all the time. And, you know, Cyberpunk's been no exception. But let's talk about the story, too, because I've heard heard and seen people just railing on this story, basically saying you you have a, a choice of essentially a class choice at the beginning. Do you want to be X, Y, or Z? And hardcore gamers have already gone back and tried all three. And it basically said... There's no branching paths. Like it's 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 illusory. Basically, is what they're saying is that 
you you pick one but it really doesn't have that much bearing and granted that's maybe not a story element as much as a gameplay element but it just feels like sleight of hand and again given how hyped this game has been i i hear that and i think i wasn't even sure anyways you're probably not going to get my money at least until a lot of this stuff is fixed and granted that sort of thing isn't going to be fixed as in so much as the graphics and the bugs are but not a good look right now for cd project red and and i should say too i mentioned before there are people who are playing this game right now people listening probably who have played this game or are playing it and love it and have no problem with it and that is great for for those people you know yeah it's not saying that this is a bad game per se like it could still be really fun and i know tactic you're gonna say that you're gonna love it and play it anyway but i think it's the marketing and the disingenuity like you're saying that's that's what's really getting people the goodwill that cd project red built up with the witcher i think has been completely torn away now yeah i'm not sure i would go that far but they're they're digging themselves a hole and uh they're gonna need to do some some pr work to get out of it as well as some, you know, de- development work, you know, releasing patches, doing all the things you need to do. But it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as as we roll on through the next few days and few weeks, you know, what they're what the, what steps they take there. But um, it feels like I think, this should have yeah. been delayed again, honestly. But but the thing is, they were, you know, devil's advocate. Their backs were against the wall. People were already mad they delayed it once, and it's it's a tough thing, right? We've talked about this before. It's a tough balance between. Do you want to release the best possible game or do you want to get the game out when people and that's have been why, craving that, it for years? It's, that's why I'm still like on their side because I know the pressure that they were against and I hear that and they, they probably said, you know what, we're going to make a decision, we're going to release it and we're going to we're going to deal with the punches as they come. And and honestly, to give people fan service during a pandemic, I applaud them and, and maybe they should have been more transparent and said, listen, we're going to give you the game, but just know there's... It's going to be some janky bits. Right, right. There's a lot. Transparency is a good word for, you know, what they probably could have brought a little bit more of. But we'll again, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do. Tactic, I'm really interested when you break this thing out, pr- presumably it'll be the next episode. I'm going to want to hear all of how, my how all goes. of my glitches that I experience will have the tweet hashtag janky bits. You heard it here first, folks. Hashtag janky bits. Maybe don't look that up. I really sounds like it could be just, I guess, just watch out for tactic hashtagging janky bits. We're going to head into What Are You Up To Wednesday. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm going to lead this week because I'm very excited about a couple of things. One is uh, I got a new phone, guys. And this is for those that don't, don't know, which should be all the listeners. I was previously rocking an iPhone 6. It's been a while for me and phones. So I shelled out for the iPhone 12 mini. Love the size, love the battery life, the battery life. That's the thing. It is, you're going to laugh at me probably. It's life-changing. I mean, so I, I, currently it's 1033 at night as we record this. I unplugged the, my phone this morning before 8 a.m. My battery is currently at 73%. I rarely, right now my old phone would be single digits, I can guarantee you, on that in that same, I guess, daily cycle. Um, so that's going to be a game changer for me. Uh, I'm really excited about the camera. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you're all listening, thinking, okay, doofus. Like, good. You're a part of this generation finally. It's a big deal for me. It's it's legitimately a life changer. So looking forward to getting more use out of that until I inevitably, you know, drop in a puddle or something. Um, the other thing. Well, that's right. It is waterproof. Yeah, I'm I'm still thinking. I'm I, I'm still in the iPhone six headspace. I need to get out of it. The other thing I want to shout out is my amazing girlfriend got me Star Wars Squadrons for Christmas, and we did our Christmas gifts early because we had other things going on. 
that I won't get into, but uh, I did, I was able to try Squadrons for a while. I actually, I think I only completed the prologue of the story missions, but the prologue is like half, between half an hour and an hour, I think, of play. Like, it's a pretty long prologue, which gives me, for A, gives me a lot of hope about the story, and B, uh, I did this all in VR, and uh, yeah, it's really cool. Like, it, it's it's what it's cracked up to be so far. I mean, I have a limited sample size, but I'm going to be continuing to play that and I'll be continuing to report on it. It'll probably take me a while. I have other things in the hopper, too. I also have 3D All-Stars I'm going to be starting. So it's going to be a good couple weeks of gaming. So be on the lookout for more updates from me on that front. I, I haven't given many game updates in a while, so I'm due. Very Get hyped, funny. I guess. Do you feel like yeah. you're sitting in the cockpit? It's, yes, yes. You can, like, you can look around and do all that. And then, you know, there's actually instruments that you use. And, like, you can, it's more involved than I thought. Like, you, you know, you know when you're watching a Star Wars movie and they're like, what's the word i'm looking for it's like shift power to forward deflector shields you do that guys like that's you actually have a a certain power allotment and you can shift power to the to the laser cannons or shift power to the shields or shift power to the engines so that's kind of one dial you're always turning and uh it's just it's super cool and i haven't even gotten into like the multiplayer or the customizations and things like that that i'm sure are going to provide a lot more uh, depth for the game too so really excited about that speed uh well that's star trek i believe but um <laughs> it's a good try i'll be updating more on that but for now i've just you know i've kind of just dipped my toes into it jump into uh, hyperspace is that the yeah hyperspace since you since you seem to be confused about star wars tactic i'll let you go next sorry i mixed them up so my biggest thing is actually twofold the first thing is i've been playing around with night vision technology which i find absolutely interesting and fun it's for a future tinkering with tech tech. i'm just trying to get my feet wet right now and by god it is cool infrared flashlights are the coolest thing if you shine an infrared flashlight at somebody they're gonna be like nothing's on what are you doing but then if you look at it with an infrared camera they're gonna be like holy kielbasa look at that it holy is kielbasa. it is night vision and it's just it's it's phenomenal i'm really really excited for the potential that that has for the future and then the other thing is nerd bomber and i started watching a new show called the queen's gambit and oh, my man. gosh i have never wanted to play chess more and studies have shown that this show has actually vastly increased purchases of chess sets due to what is now known as the netflix effect we should we should play sometime you and i do you know how to play or do you are you like literally a newbie i know how to play yeah i'm not very good so just we actually we tried to find a chess set and um they're very difficult to find they were not joking they're really expensive and you can't just get like a cheapo so i ended up getting this really oh my god it's a janky 299 dollar xbox app and it's like when you load the game up there's all of these pictures of scantily clad girls that have nothing to do with chess yeah and, and then it's yeah. just like a 2d really simple chessboard. but we played and i beat tactics so. i was i was also on the phone with my brother at the same time oh and gosh. these He's hedging. excuses and honestly a 2d chessboard is it just doesn't have the oh, same oh come on i'm serious hey <laughs> in queen's gambit she can do it without a chessboard nothing in front of her she yeah. just plays games in her guess head guess what i'm sherlock not a chess master that too so yeah, sherlock holmes does that in the second movie it's really cool just watch that scene yesterday um i this is on Hayes and i's watch list so you gotta watch good it to hear. Yeah, it's really, really really good i'm like i love the idea of chess and i also wish i was really good at chess i'm not very good at chess i like playing it but no one ever plays with me so technically i used to be pretty good at it but it just 
I have to get back on the horse, I guess. This show does a really good job of like you don't really need to understand chess to enjoy what's going on. Even when there's scenes where they're just playing like super rapid games of chess, you don't track the pieces at all. Like it's I think part of it's the acting, part of it's the writing, everything. Like you're just so intent on these characters and how they're react- reacting. And I think just like I said, the acting, like the facial expressions convey so much. It's such a great show. I can't you, gush about it enough. It's so good. Have you gotten to uh, to Dudley Dursley yet? Oh, yeah. he. Yeah. I think he's like pretty early on. Like I think right the away. second yeah. or third episode. That's going to be something. I haven't seen that guy since like the Harry Potter movies. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to watch. It's good to hear that it's good. Nerd Bomber, what do you, anything else to add over there? Uh, so I have finally sunk in a decent amount of time into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I think I have about 20 hours in the game. And I still, I said last week that I barely scratched the surface and I still feel like I barely scratched the surface. The game is actually really incredible. This is my first Assassin's Creed experience. There was only been like one little itty bitty of the game so far that jumped to the modern day story and I had no idea what was going on. But then I quickly ran through that and just jumped back into my Viking life. And you didn't need to know anything about the rest of the franchise, which was great. I mean, the world, I mean, the graphics are incredible. I'm playing this on the PlayStation 5. There's very minimal loading screens. The combat took a little bit for me to get used to um, because it's it's slow. I'm not used to playing games with combat like Assassin's Creed where, there, I mean, this isn't just like run around and hide in the shadows and assassinate people. Like there's raids and stuff where you're literally axe and right. shield and going at people. Um, so the combat took a little bit for me to get used to, but I've gotten there i think i'm not great but i'm passable but honestly the thing that i'm having the most fun doing is just exploring the world and the world is so vast and so big and there's like treasure spots on the map all over the map there's mysteries which are basically side missions um there's artifacts that you can find weapons even like skills are hidden throughout the map and Everything, there's just so much detail put into every single location, and it's incredible. The only thing, the only downside, and this is my problem with open world games, and this is the first like super big open world game I've played in a while, there's so much to do that it's a little overwhelming because I have my main story mission, but then that kind of branches and then I have to build my settlement up. And then I also have to find, like, I guess this is part of the Assassin's Creed lore, but uh, the the bad guys, whatever they're called in Assassin's Creed, I haven't really gone into this section. The Templars, I think. Yeah. I mean, you have to figure out where those people are located all throughout England and go find them and take them down. And there's just a lot of stuff to choose from at any one time. And they actually, this weekend, added in a Yule Festival So there's like even more seasonal activities and it's a little overwhelming and I feel like daunting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've got 20 hours in the game and I'm like, this is easily a hundred hours and I don't know if I can do it all. And I'm one of those people where I see a treasure spot on the map and like, I have to go there. I'm just compelled. I have to clear the map. That's me. I need to do it. So this is either going to be lengthy or unfinished. I have yet to decide, but I'm like, I'm not tired of the game yet. I'm daunted, but I'm not tired of it. And I easily lose several hours just playing the game because there's no loading screens and uh, you just keep going and you don't realize time is passing. It just flows. Well, that sounds, that aspect at least sounds enjoyable. So um, keep us updated on that. Will do. And uh, keep us, keep us gaming. Give us, give us a, give us a quiz here to, to finish us out. I think right. we're the master today. 
So to kind of wrap up, I don't know if this is wrapping up the year because I think there's one more episode in 2020, but to, to wrap up the Christmassy spirit around these parts, we have an eggnog themed trivia for you guys. And this is going to be Price is Right style. This is actually more difficult than I thought because there's apparently not a lot of numerical statistics about eggnog, but who, I'm, going thought? To, I'm going to do my darndest here. So I've got five questions. And we'll start, we'll let Tectic answer first for the first one, and then you guys can go back and forth. So, how many pounds of eggnog does the United States drink an average every year? Pounds. 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 I'm going to say 100 million pounds. That's way too much. (sighs) Okay, let me hedge first. I do not like eggnog. We talked about this on the secret segment. I do not like eggnog. Eggnog's not good. I don't drink eggnog. I have no knowledge of eggnog, but 100 million pounds of eggnog would average out to a third of the country drinking a pound of eggnog a year, which I feel like is a lot. I'm going to go low because I think you busted, and I'm just going to save one million. All right, so Tactic actually gets this. The average no. amount of eggnog drank every year is 135 million pounds. So just, you're, uh, you're all disgusting. Well, you got to realize there are people who guzzle a lot of eggnog. Yeah, we've, already, we've already gotten three containers of it so far. Stop. Yeah, I'm I'm gagging over here. Okay. Uh well, let's keep it going. So, all of that eggnog turns into a lot of belts loosening because, you know, eggnog is not without calories. How many calories are in 1 cup of eggnog? A lot. Oh my god. And I'm talking like m- numerical cup, not like a glass. Yeah. 2 225. That's a really good answer. Um I was going to guess 200. So I'm going to just play it safe and say six. All right. So illegal. You are so close. Oh man, is it like two hundred? It's like two ten or something. Two ten. So Tactic gets another point here, but you were so so close there. I hate I hate Christmas. But it it is a very high calorie drink. I recently counted them on the. It's thick with two C's. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very thick thick drink. So every December, there is National Eggnog Day that occurs every December. Which date in December is National Eggnog Day? Oh, this is clear. It's in line with the Festivus. Or not the Festivus, with the uh, Solstice. It's the 21st of December. Okay, what are the bust rules on this? If if I go to, if my number, oh, it's just like regular bust rules. If I go yep. over to the day that's too high. Uh, okay, well, I have to, I'm just going to play the ponies here, meaning I'm going to play the gaps and just pick the high probability. I'm just going to say December 1st and just hope that it's somewhere in those three weeks. All right. So Tactic actually takes this one home now and wins the game, even though there are two questions left. But National Eggnog Day is December 24th. So Christmas Eve, everyone drank that eggnog. So All right. So uh, I'm, I'm just trying to avoid a whitewash here. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do Eggnog this. wash. So, according to the Taste of Home homemade eggnog recipe, how many eggs are required to make one batch, which is about three quarts of eggnog? How many cups are in a quart? I have no idea. You're asking the wrong person. Do I look like an echo to you? Mrs. Illegal 86, meaning my mom, used to love Taste of Home. Used to have that magazine in the house all the time. But now magazines, you know, people don't get those anymore. Do you want to call a friend? No. (laughs) To make it fair, there's four cups in a quart. Four cups and a quart. So it's, it's twelve cups. It's, yeah, it's fewer eggs than you would think. I'm wait, twelve cups. You said four cups and a quart, and you said how many eggs go into a quart? 
No. How many eggs are required to make one batch, which is equal to three quarts? Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I have to back this out. Okay. Then I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say two eggs. It's not, it's way less than you think. I think it's double that. I'm going to go four eggs. All right. So there's actually an egg per cup. There are 12 large eggs in a batch of eggnog. How do you all drink this crap? <laughs> That's so, disgusting. Tactic. Basically, Sylvester Stallone is like, yeah, nug. <laughs> it's just basically a protein drink. So Tactic's going for the clean sweep here. He is. He's got four points and you have none. No pressure. And this last question is it's actually... Worth five points. I mean, yeah. we could, no, but no, then I, no. I'd have no tiebreaker it's... and that would be bad. Um, yeah. But this is my favorite question, honestly. And, and this is a little bit of a history fact, too. So just stay with me. The question's at the end. We'll get there. So the eggnog riot actually took place at the United States Military Academy at West Point because whiskey was smuggled into the academy two days before Christmas. It was used to make eggnog that induced an out-of-control party that turned into a giant riot, which then basically resulted in many cadets receiving court-martials and ruined Christmas morning at West Point. And a great movie. Jefferson Davis. It, oh, yeah. Je- I mean, it, historical figures. Jefferson Davis, who was the president of the Confederate States, was one of the people who participated in this riot. What year did that eggnog riot at West Point occur. Do I go first? Or does Tactic go first? I believe you go first. No, Tactic, no, no, goes, tactic goes first. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest. There was a lot of words in that question. And you lost me. So I'm going to go right. ahead and go 1845. It's a really good guess. I mean, you can back this out, right? So Jefferson Davis was at West Point at the time. And he became the president of the Confederate States in like probably like 1860 something. Do you think he became president of a group of confederate states at like age 35 because i don't it's earlier an old man it's earlier so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say 1810 just to go early enough where i don't bust because i i yeah i'm gonna go early so 1810 very smart choice you avoided the whitewash you got the point it occurred on christmas eve in 1826 sweet the Uh, eggnog riot that wasn't that far i'll take i'll take the pity point Tactic knows more about eggnog, which does not it doesn't surprise me at all. I want to make it clear in case I didn't before. Eggnog's gross, so I'm not sorry about losing this one. Tactic will host next week. Topic TBD, and uh, I think we're all going to be here next week. So we're going to close out 2020 in a in style, and we're looking forward to having all of you with us. I want to say again, I hope everyone who's listening has a happy holiday, uh, whatever the holiday may be, uh, a happy New Year. Because well, wait. No, New Year's won't have happened yet. So I'll wish you a happy New Year next week. Happy holidays. Stay safe. Stay, stay healthy. Don't drink eggnog. I mean, just, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth your health. I, I mean, 210 calories per cup, it's not worth it. If you liked what you listened to, you can head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review there. You can hit us up on Twitter. I already mentioned our handles. And uh, we're looking forward to chatting with you and speaking to you next week. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays.